0: Hey, this is Rondé Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now Class of 2023, Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to the Jerry Radcliffe Show. Welcome to the show. It's the Jerry Radcliffe Show. And I'm Chris Graham, joined by the Hall of Famer Jerry Radcliffe. And uh, it's game week. We're back to uh, having games to talk about. UVA football season kicking off on Saturday down in Nashville uh, against number 10 in the coaches' poll, number 12 in the writers' poll, Tennessee. And Jerry, uh, today, as we're recording Tuesday, Coach Tony Elliott releasing a depth chart for the the season opener, also talking with the media, so we have a feel for what this team will look like uh, roster-wise, two-deep-wise. So where do you want to start? Maybe I'll start with any surprises when you look at the depth chart uh, in terms of just looking down that two-deep and and seeing uh, who's playing and who's not playing.
1: Well, I don't know if it's a – Exactly a surprise, but it was a a delight to see that Matt Ganyard is kicking off, just like we talked about in the last podcast, Chris, that his dream is coming true right before our very eyes. He's set to be the kickoff man Saturday when Cavaliers go down to Nashville, and uh, it could be that his toe will make the first contact with the football on Saturday. Who would have ever thought that?
0: He wouldn't have thought that as recently as what about four weeks ago? I, I as the story was going, he said it was a his his uh, application for a, a a waiver to the NCAA, which had originally been denied. Uh, he was waiting for that appeal as of a uh, four days, I think it was before training camp started. So he wasn't even sure a few weeks ago if he'd ever you know even have a chance to be on the team. He goes from that to he's be kicking off on Saturday in front of a big crowd. So yeah, what a what a story for Matt Ganyard.
1: Yeah, it's a, and a great story for college football. I think I think uh, everybody in the country watching that game will. There'll probably be a, something done on Matt Ganyard, uh by whoever's televising it. Uh, is that an ESPN game? I haven't even looked. Uh, ESPN or ABC,
0: same. Fa- I think it's an ABC game, but it's the same family of uh, networks. So, yeah. so uh, maybe something on game day that that morning. Uh, as an example, ACC Network should be working on a package there too.
1: Yeah, I see Joe Tessitore will be the play-by-play, ABC, Jesse Palmer uh, will be analyst. I'm sure they'll bring it up, and Katie George, sideline reporter, will probably uh, have a report on that at some point during the game. So that'll be something the Wahoo fans can be proud of. Um, The complete uh, depth chart is up on my website if you want to check out the whole thing uh for all you out there watching um i guess the some of the good news that it looks like the offensive line is mostly healed up chris uh michael boley is starting at left tackle there was some doubt as to whether he would be ready and um that allows them to have blake steen as a backup for him at that spot and uh steen can also i think play right tackle or left guard so Gives them a little bit of flexibility there. Noah Josie appears to be back from his injury at left guard. And, uh, that means Ugana Nana, uh, the transfer from Houston will start at right tackle. They, they, uh, he started out camp at, at a guard position, but they found out that he was better suited for tackle. So, um, uh, probably some good news that the offensive line is on the mend and, uh, That should help out Tony Musket a little bit come Saturday against the Volunteers' pass rush and perhaps against the running game. Um, On defense, um, we knew that um, Antonio Clary was probably going to be questionable for the game. He's been out. And uh, Langston Long, a junior, will start at strong safety. I don't know that they would go with Clary unless they absolutely had to. I I know he's been pushing, trying to get back as was um, Chico Bennett, who uh, they thought he's a fast healer and they, they thought he might possibly make it. But uh, Tony Elliott was talking about how he had walked over, had been walking with him that right before the press conference. And he was pushing to get back too, but it looks like, it, he's gonna have to wait until next week's JMU game to be back in action. And uh interesting to see that the two transfers, uh defensive backs, Sam Westfall from SMU and Malcolm Green from Clemson, are uh, gonna play at the right corner spot. both of them will play in the game. Uh, looks like Westfall might actually get the start. But both are scheduled to play. And uh, um, Westfall, I believe, was a corner and Green was a safety, but I think he's moved over to corner. Um, The rest of that secondary is Tavon Kyle, Jonas Sanker, Long, as we mentioned, and Cohen King, Uh, most of those guys with experience in the system a year ago.
0: Yeah. Three transfers among those guys back there on the two deep, uh, in the, in the defensive backfield, uh, Jimmy Chris, uh, the Penn state transfer, uh, still, still on the shelf. I think I read, uh, from Tony's, the transcript of Tony Elliott's uh, press conference that, uh, maybe he'll be back next week, perhaps, or at least be able to start training again next week. Um, right side of the offensive line is, is two transfers. Brian Stevens is the guard, um, and uh, he was well-regarded, uh, really, really nice ratings on pro football focus, at least um, mm-hmm. yeah. for his work. Um, and so, yeah, no, no other surprises for me. As far as that goes, looks like there's depth in the line, uh, which will be uh, needed. Last year, there wasn't a lot of bodies back there. I think at times playing with seven or eight guys. So uh looks like there's, there's some, some good, good options there for, uh, uh, for Tony Elliott and Des Kitchings to to work with and, uh, so the question then is, uh, you know, looking at uh, Tennessee, they'll be starting a new quarterback, just like Virginia will be starting a new quarterback. Virginia will be starting Tony Musket, as we've uh, discussed. Uh, we were talking about that last, last show. Um, Musket winning the battle in camp. Uh, Anthony Calandria listed at number two on the depth chart. It'll be Joe Milton for Tennessee. He's a guy that transferred in from Michigan a couple of years ago, originally beat out Hendon Hooker for the starting job at Tennessee, Uh, when he came in in 2021 he played two games got injured hooker took over hooker put up some video game like numbers for a couple of years but then he got injured at the end of last season missed the last two games and milton came back in ends up being the mvp of the orange bowl a 31 14 win for tennessee over a good clemson team and uh, he comes in now as a sixth year senior uh, with uh, you know, he looks like the kind of guy that you think is a pro quarterback. He's 6'5, he's 235, he can move, he's got a cannon of an arm. The one thing he doesn't have is a lot of experience. He started nine games in his college career in five seasons, uh, but he's preseason all SEC. I mean, he's got a lot of accolades, a lot of expectations, and uh, that's a Tennessee offense that scored 46 points a game, averaged 525 yards per game last year. Big challenge for the Virginia defense.
1: Yeah, and and Milton has by far the strongest arm in all of college football. So I'm sure he'll be testing Virginia's secondary uh, a lot. But they also have um, all of the running backs back from a year ago, and there's three of them with significant yardage coming back. A couple of receivers, including uh, uh, Squirrel. What was his last? Squirrel White. Squirrel. Yeah, Squirrel White. Uh, one of the top receivers coming back, and uh, most of their offensive line. I think they have a couple of new guys in there, but that's uh, a very experienced offense and put out, like you said, incredible numbers last year. Led the nation in scoring and points, uh, points per uh, yards total yards per game, and so um, John Rudzinski's defense will be tested early and often. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they hold up. against such it's a powerful unit. I, I don't know that Virginia faced anybody anywhere in that, even in that category last year that that could boast any numbers anywhere close to those. And so, um, it'll be something to see. We talked at length with Tony Elliott during the press conference today. I asked him about, Tennessee's defense and, and uh, how he expects them to attack Virginia. And he also elaborated on Tennessee's offense and how powerful it is. We'll have stories on that uh, coming up later. But uh, uh, one thing that was interesting he said about that offense is that they, they're not uh, – they they take unusual uh, width in their splits, and, and they split their – Uh, wide receivers way out toward the sidelines and they open up uh, their splits are so wide along the line that they, they kind of open up holes. They just got to make sure they win their one-on-one battles because they create with those splits, they create a lot of one-on-ones and they put the defense uh, in a bind because you have to really call your defense quick and get aligned quickly and make adjustments because, It's not your standard splits that you're dealing with. And Tennessee runs at such a high pace, Chris, that that's forcing defenses to make quick decisions and get lined up quicker than normal. So uh, that's added pressure to already defending an explosive offense.
0: If there was one weakness for this Tennessee team last year, it was on the defensive side. Now they only gave up 23 points a game. So, you know, they, at at the end of the day, they were, they were doing what they needed to do in limiting points, but they did give up four or five yards per game. And there could be a little bit of a function of the fact that Tennessee on offense does play so fast. You know, they, they line up quick. um, They're moving the ball. Even when they have scoring drives, a sustained scoring drive for them may be still quick strike for most, uh, most teams. Uh, and then if they happen to, you know, have a three and out or or not be able to move the ball very far, um, this is going to happen quickly. Whatever happens, happens quickly with that offense, and so the defense is going to see some more plays, uh, and and thus maybe some more yards. But that's the, the game plan for Virginia going in. Has got to be to try to attack that defense. Yes, you know w- we know from, from I, I was listening in to uh, Josh Heupel yesterday, uh, his his press conference. You know they're 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 going to attack. They're going to sack the box. Try to take the run away. Make Virginia throw the ball down the field, you know, mid- middle of the field and down the field. Um, but uh, you know, f- from Virginia's standpoint, ball control—it's got to be. You know, let's we'll see if we can move the chains. You know, sustain drives. Um, you know, Virginia's got a punter in Daniel Sparks, who's one of the best punters in the country. Um, so when drives fizzle out, you know, make make Tennessee have long fields. Uh, it's got to be to try to shorten the game, limit turnovers. Tennessee defensively did force two turnovers per game last year. So that was one way they kept points off the board. But, you know, that the game plan for Virginia, shorten this game and uh, see if they can frustrate Tennessee by keeping them, keeping that offense off the field for long stretches.
1: Yeah, you're right. And there won't be chances to catch your breath very much because there's a new rule in college football. And I can't say that I like it. I don't know why they keep messing with the game every year, but um no timeouts after first downs this year so um that's just going to make the game flow even faster so you don't have time to diddle around on defense or or anything else you got to be ready and um but you're right the tennessee is going to load the tackle box and see if they can force tony musket to make mistakes and that's going to be part of their i'm sure that's a significant part of their game plan um, even Elliott said today that uh Musket's not going to be able to hold on to the ball. They want you to hold on to the ball more than 2.8 seconds so they can sack you or force you into a, uh throwing a bad pass. And so Musket is going to have to be at the top of his game, Uh, whether that means he can stay in the pocket or if they're going to have to have a moving pocket to try to alleviate some of that pressure or maybe throw some screens or short passes to the tight ends or Something to slow that pass rush down. Um and and try to make make him uh not be just a sitting duck back there.
0: The game is a sellout. Got a we got press releases uh yeah. on that uh just before we started recording. Um, you know, <laughs> but I'm i gonna say I I don't mind uh the fact that it's a sellout there in the sense it's gonna be a lot of Tennessee fans, obviously. It's gonna be oh, mostly yeah. if not all Tennessee fans, but it's not gonna be as many of them as there would be in Knoxville
1: that's true it'll Instead be 75 you you'll only have uh <laughs> maybe 63 of the 65
0: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so it's not gonna be quite as bad i mean from <laughs> that standpoint um and uh so yeah it could be worse in that sense but still it's going to be a challenge for tony muskett i remember uh talking with tony muskett at the acc kickoff this has been a few weeks ago obviously and uh, you know, one of the questions uh, was basically, you know, what's the biggest crowd you played in front of? And uh, when he was in Monmouth, it started for three years at Monmouth, and you know, he remembered uh, it. What maybe it wasn't the biggest crowd, but the loudest crowd. He was talking about playing North Carolina A and T there uh, on um, their homecoming, and how you know that that historically black school with a great band, and you know, the fact that the crowd came out for the halftime show because it was homecoming, and. It was a very boisterous crowd, but, you know, that'll be probably about a fourth the size of the crowd he'll play in front of uh, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, that so that's going to be a challenge for him. But, uh, you know, the moment is there. I mean, this is what this this team has been getting ready for. Um, What's the sense from Coach Elliott, Jerry, you were there today for the for the presser. What's what's the sense in terms of confidence going into this one that he has and maybe the team has?
1: Well, you know, he's going to use this as a gauge to figure out exactly where his program stands and what they have to do to catch up to become more competitive in the ACC. Um, I asked him specifically, I said, you know, Tony, you've in your years at Clemson, you coached in national championship games. You coached against some of the best teams in America. In incredible environments, uh, you know, has that does that help you in any way? Get your team prepared for a game like this, and and I think he he believed it did. That uh, he's trying to get them to channel their energy in the right ways and not not uh, expend all their energy in the first quarter and with nervous energy and trying to get it all done, but to try to spread out that energy throughout the game. Um, play the person, not the jersey, not the name on the jersey. Um, just to be intelligent and and how to handle your emotions in an atmosphere like that. Because I don't know if any of these Virginia guys, Chris, has played in a game in that kind of atmosphere. I'd I'd have to take a closer look, but the last time I uh, of these guys. I don't. I don't think any of these guys played in the Orange Bowl in nineteen, right?
0: Um, i I was thinking the same thing. I don't. I don't think so. Right off the top of my head, I don't think so.
1: And so since then, uh, you know, they really haven't played in in a environment anything close to this. So it's a new experience for all these guys. And keeping your composure, even if things go haywire out of the block, uh, is going to be significant because if you don't things can unravel quickly against an opponent like this and uh they're like sharks smelling blood in the water if they sense that you're intimidated or uh or losing confidence they will eat you alive because this is this is what uh tony called big boy football he's expecting big boy football out of tennessee and that's what uh that's what we're going to see and so you can't panic. You got to you got to keep your composure and, and try to hang in there and focus and, and do the best you can.
0: You know, one 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 name comes to mind. Mike Collins might have. He was on the team, at least in 2019. Uh, he skipped the 2020 season because of the COVID uh, year. But uh, Mike Collins, yeah. you know, he's, he's listed second on the depth chart at running back, which um, I'm a little disappointed at. But also the, just the fact that he's even on the team. <laughs> <laughs> when That's you think right. about November 13th of last year, he he had life-threatening injuries in that mass shooting. Uh, I know Tennessee is going to do some special things uh, before this game. Um, uh, there will be a moment of silence. I think uh, Josh Heupel, the coach there, talked about they're going to put decals on the back of their helmets, uh, honoring 115 and 41, the Lavelle Davis Jr., Deshaun Perry, and uh, uh, Devin Chandler, uh, the three young men whose lives were lost uh, on November 13th. Um, that's obviously a part of the story going into this game uh, is this is the first game since November 13th, um, Virginia missing his last two games the last season for obvious reasons. Uh, Coach Elliott talked about the, the, uh, that, that part of this, the, the, the emotion that will go in um, uh, fr- from that standpoint, Jerry, talk about what he, he addressed as far as that goes today.
1: Yeah. You know, somebody mentioned uh, turn tragedy into triumph. And he said, you know, his simple answer was that every day is, is a triumph for us in the fact that just Virginia is back playing football again. And, um, it's an app. It's an opportunity for them national, on a national stage to just show how resilient that the human spirit is. That those were his words. And, uh, certainly they'll be doing everything they can to honor the fallen teammates. They're going to, wear special patches on their uniforms. Uh, I imagine decals on the helmet as well. And uh, some of the players will be wearing the numbers of those three slain players. And I think um, I'm I'm not sure I'd have to recheck my notes if they're going to maybe rotate some of those numbers around through the season, or if these guys are going to keep them permanently. I know that Bettinger, the, place kicker it was close friends with Deshaun Perry. They went to the same high school and were uh, friends. And uh, I think he's going to – well, I know he's going to be wearing uh, Perry's number 41 in in the game. Uh, It's wrong on the depth chart. They have him as wearing 17. He'll be wearing 41. But um, I think that is probably um, part of the – emotions that Tony was also talking about and channeling their energy. We've seen things like this in the past at other schools. Uh, you can get too emotional and get too wound up and it backfires on you. So they, you got to be careful with that and not, and, and it's great to be inspired and play for those guys, but you can't let it rule your thoughts and cause you from, keep you from focusing on the assignments at hand and, and that sort of thing. You can get distracted and uh, become so emotional that you can't think. And so um, I'm sure he's addressed that with them. And, you know, he said that, it's, you know, part of part of it is also um, this program, they, they need to learn how to win. Um, we thought that they did before last season coming in, but, um, obviously that didn't happen. And if you, even if you look at Broncos last two teams, they were both 500. So, um, hasn't been a lot of winning. uh, The 11 14 wins in three seasons, last three seasons. And so he believes this, this team, this program has to learn how to win all over again. And that's, that's a slow, painful process. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn.
0: The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry
1: and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize. Surrounded by flat-screen televisions, tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump
0: into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434 296 Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer. Personally Fit Art Supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Good Feet System so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain.
1: The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Rackler Show. Wahoo wah.
0: Yeah, I remember sitting in the press box up there with you uh, after the— for me, I was sitting in the press box after the um, Orange Bowl game, uh, and that team had won the ACC— Coastal division that played Clemson in the championship game, uh, played Florida really well down on that Orange Bowl. I'm hearing Bronco talk about how, you know, how far things had come in four years, and you know, I was thinking about how they would continue to be built upon. And, and you're right, two 500 seasons thereafter, Broncos gone three and seven last year. Um, you know, we're back to square one in a lot of ways, uh, from that standpoint. And it's just, I wouldn't have imagined that, I wouldn't have imagined that that night. Uh, late December of of uh, 2019 that that would have been the case but um, so realistically Jerry uh, you know you've you've been around for a lot of these openers 40 well, some years <laughs> what, what what do you think is is the uh, best case scenario what what should what should Virginia fans kind of expect out of their team this weekend and 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 what should make us happy it's going to be tough it, t- Tennessee's a 28 and a half point favorite so it's I mean, the writing's on the wall as far as that goes, but what can what can Virginia fans rightfully expect and, and maybe be happy with after this is over?
1: Well, wow, that's a that's a tough question because I think it depends on how the first quarter goes. If if they can't allow Tennessee to come in and dictate the pace and and control uh, the ball, uh control the clock. Um, even even if it is a quick strike offense and they they can score from anywhere on the field with an arm like Milton has. Um, they, they've got to just line up, make sure they line up correctly and stick to their fundamentals and try to be competitive and try to prevent the big play, make Tennessee earn everything they get and, and not turn the ball over, not make... Uh, not have blown assignments, give up uh, explosive plays. If they do that, who knows? They might could extend this game into the second half, uh, maybe get a couple of turnovers. You never know. We've seen stranger things happen in in opening games. Yeah. As good as Tennessee is, it's still the first game of the season for them as well. And um, we've seen better teams than Tennessee come out and lay an egg or – or make mistakes or have penalties, turn the ball over, stuff like that. Anything like that can help Virginia and give them confidence to hang in there and perhaps extend the game. But if things go haywire early and they let Tennessee take control and if Virginia is the one making mistakes, it could be uh, just a, a a blowout, frankly. Uh you can't mess around with a team like Tennessee because just about any mistake you make, they're probably going to capitalize on it and they're going to be trying to force you into mistakes. So uh, these guys have their work cut out for them. It's, it's uh, asking an awful lot of a team that's somewhat inexperienced, particularly in games of this, of this kind to go into the lion's den and, and play uh flawless football. It's it's tough. I mean, a lot of people are expecting a uh, blowout city fifty-six to nothing, uh you know, fifty to seven, stuff like that, and it could very, very well happen. Um I think Virginia, and there's no such thing as a moral victory, but I think if Virginia can hold Tennessee's scoring down to thirty or less, um, and maybe get a couple of touchdowns on the board themselves uh, somehow. I I think they would have to walk out of Nashville feeling pretty good about themselves and and learning lessons that can help them next week against JMU in a home game and even beyond. But, uh, I mean, the odds of that happening are are not very good. Uh, Tennessee is not a 28-point favorite for nothing, those guys in Vegas aren't stupid. Uh, it could very well get out of hand and and, and it, the game could be over by halftime. We don't know, but uh, they if they can keep if they can somehow hang in there to the second half and keep it respectable, then I think Virginia uh, gets everything they can out of this game. I, I don't anticipate one of those shocking upsets by any measure. But uh, if they can just go in and, and be competitive, at least for a half, uh, they, they can't feel too bad about what's going on because they're, they're going against big boy football.
0: I'm reminded of the scene at the end of the comedy movie. I think it was 1990s comedy movie, Dumb and Dumber, uh, where yeah. uh, Jim Carrey's character, he's a real doofus. Uh, he's, he's there with the female lead who's very attractive, and he's asking her, what chance he might have with her and and she's going going down the numbers and he says okay so one in a hundred no one in a thousand no one in a million maybe one in a million and he says so what you're telling me is there's a chance <laughs> correct <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I put that in the context of uh espn's football power index uh they they give their you know the espn folks run a simulation twenty thousand times they play the game uh on their computers and they uh they, they spit it out how things are going to go and uh, according to the FPI, eighty-seven point five percent chance that uh, Tennessee wins this game, which means they ran a, they ran the simulation uh, twenty thousand times. Somehow, twenty five hundred times, and those twenty thousand, Virginia won the game. So, um, how that happens? Yeah, I think you laid it out, Jerry. Uh, you know, Virginia's got to take take care of the ball in the first quarter, shorten the game uh maybe get a turnover or two early frustrate Tennessee you know those teams that play fast paced whether it's basketball or football they hate it when you slow them down Tony Bennett's really good at it uh see if Tony Yelley can be good at it but if the if the offense can stay on the field a little bit even if they don't score just stay on the field get some first downs even if they have to punt them back into you know deep into Tennessee territory um if this game is one score or a 10-point game at halftime. Virginia gets the ball in the second half, has a chance to make it interesting. Tennessee, they're the 28-point favorite. They might get a little, they might have the pressure on them then. The home crowd gets a little unsettled. Um you never know what can happen as far as that goes. It's a hot day. It's gonna, I looked at the forecast, gonna be in the low 90s, no chance of rain down there in Nashville. Uh, first game of the season. Both teams will be substituting liberally as far as that goes. Yeah, yeah, lots of things can happen. Um, it can happen the other way too, of course, Virginia can have some, some early mistakes and it can get out of hand early and, and that can set the tone in a, in a negative way, not just for this game, but maybe for, for a few games after that. So, um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to dumb and dumber, Jerry. Um, you tell me there's a chance. I think there's a chance.
1: Yeah. If I were a betting man, I, I, and I were ESPN, I would recheck those computers because <laughs> i even though there's a chance, I don't think Virginia, uh, would have, even if you played at 20,000, sometimes they would win that many, that portion of, of games. But, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes fast teams make mistakes because they're at such a high pace and they, they, uh, there is a tendency to turn the ball over. It's kind of like, um, a triple option offense when you're handling the ball so much, there's going to be mistakes made. And, um, sometimes you can play faster than your than your brains can uh, operate so yeah there, there's a possibility that uh Tennessee can turn the ball over make some mistakes and and hand Virginia some good field position who knows but uh it'll it'll be interesting to watch regardless of what happens just to see the uh how big the chasm is between uh a top 10 team and and uh a team that's trying to rebuild it with a relatively new system.
0: So Jerry, I think uh we got folks ready uh as much as we can at least at this point uh for for that. Uh we wanted to talk maybe you know as we're as we're uh getting the second half of our show here, ACC expansion news possible. Um Maybe today, maybe sometime this week, or maybe not. Maybe maybe the news with expansion is there's going to be no expansion. We don't know where that's going to be. But what is the latest as far as where we stand as we're recording this around 530 on Tuesday?
1: Yeah, well, as of now, uh, nothing uh, has happened. But there has been a lot more conversations. Uh, the presidents were supposed to meet, I think, via a phone call or a Zoom or something last night. To, I don't know if the, there would have been another straw vote taken, but at least uh, they would have felt out if anybody had changed their attitude toward expansion. And naturally, out of respect, those, uh, that meeting was postponed uh, due to the live shooter that was on campus in Chapel Hill last night uh, that had uh, that university locked down and. Frightened as we have all experienced ourselves, um, so I'm. We don't know when that meeting will occur. Uh, I don't know if it'll be tonight or sometime later this week. But I would think uh, I've I've heard that there's sort of a soft deadline by the end of this week for the ACC to uh, come up with a yay or a nay and. It sounds like that perhaps somebody has softened their stance. I don't know if it's North Carolina or NC State or maybe even Clemson for that matter. I don't think Florida State has. Uh, But uh, it sounds like somebody may be willing to change their vote. And if that's the case, then uh, I fully expect SMU, Cal, and Stanford to be members of the ACC uh, starting in the 24-25 season, Chris. And. Uh, wow! Got your plane tickets ready for San Francisco, <laughs> or, or Dallas,
0: <laughs> or Dallas, or yeah, maybe maybe both some years, right? Uh, as far as the scheduling goes, um, not just for football but for for basketball too. That that could be interesting to see. We'll, be, well, we'll what what both jerryracklev.com and gustafreebreast.com will be on top of whatever the latest is. I just checked my phone as we're recording. I don't I didn't want us to miss an opportunity if there was that kind of breaking news uh but nothing nothing still uh as we're talking here right now. So uh, but yeah, there, there there's going to be some news one way or the other in the next day or two or three. Um so Jerry yeah,
1: sounds like that uh you know just we keep hearing varying numbers on what ESPN will offer annually. It's been estimated between 50 and 72 million. um, And the ACC can take that money and divvy it up how it pleases annually. And I I think one of the models is that a bulk or at least a, a good part of that money would go to teams that excel in the postseason, at least in football and men's basketball. and There could be some portion of the money that goes to member schools. I don't think that would be a lot, but, uh, you know, a little bit's better than nothing. And they could reserve some of that money for travel expenses for teams that have to travel to Texas or California or Las Vegas uh, at a neutral site. Uh, So that that's, you know, that, that, that's still, you know, that's Florida State and Clemson were barking about more money that could resolve some of those issues and uh, sweeten the pot for those people should they excel in the postseason uh, and and give them, you know, break break up this equal revenue that the conference has been discussing ever since spring meetings.
0: It wouldn't it wouldn't make up the difference between the ACC and what it pays out to its schools and what the Big Ten and SEC pay to their schools, but it's something. It's it's right. it's moving in a direction. Uh, maybe not the direction that some folks in Tallahassee and Clemson, South Carolina would like to see, but it's at least it's at least it's at least a step. Um,
1: yeah, so. you wonder you wonder if you know the Pac-10 was talking to Apple about a streaming service. You wonder if that could still be brought back up again. And I saw that today that the ACC, which officially opened its offices in Charlotte today. Um, never thought I'd see that happen 20 years ago, but um, they've uh, agreed to a new deal with uh, something called theater, I think.
0: I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking Some,
1: about Like 75 games and bowl games and stuff will be available in um, varied theaters around The conference, I guess, so people can go to the movie theater and watch uh, certain ACC games and I guess football and basketball. I'm not not sure if there's other sports involved, but uh, it looks like that they are exploring every possible revenue avenue that's out there. And uh, maybe by the time all this adds up, Chris, uh, they will narrow that gap a little bit. You know, I've never done it because
0: we're always pretty much at the games doing our job. But uh, I've seen that the Paramount Theater in Charlottesville for years has, you know, on a, on a sort of ad hoc basis, you know, they'll show they'll put up on their on their movie screen. They'll put up, uh, you know, the Virginia, Virginia Tech football game or a Virginia Duke or Virginia Carolina basketball game, ACC tournament games, NCAA tournament games, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I know when we were in Minneapolis for the Final Four uh, at JPJ, they they put the game up on the big. The, the scoreboard screens there uh, for fans. A lot of fans came and watched the games of JPJ. So there's, a, there's, there's interest in that. It seems um, to, 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 as a potential revenue source. um uh, I'm not sure if, if I would head out to a theater myself and do it, but obviously there's a market for it. And I've, they also, the theater companies do the same thing with like boxing and MMA and, and pro wrestling and things like that. So big events, there's, there's a, there's a new trend in this direction that's interesting to see the acc making a formal deal
1: that was that was interesting news today um i guess a lot of people like the atmosphere there's a lot of similar fans there and all you know it's probably more exciting than sitting on your couch at home and you can have uh your popcorn and raisinets and drink there with you and bathrooms not too far away so you don't uh, feel
0: too stupid yelling if you're yelling with other people when you're in your house by yourself and you're yelling at the tv <laughs> you feel kind of like an idiot so
1: <laughs> that, that yeah, doesn't your stop dogs, me from your dogs your dogs tend to
0: look at you like what
1: what, what? what's wrong with you <laughs> it,
0: that, that doesn't stop me from doing it it just you don't feel very good afterwards so <laughs> um you feel maybe a little more at home there with the other fans you're right uh um. All right. Well, Jerry, anything else as we're uh, maybe getting ready to wrap up the show here?
1: I think that pretty much shows it up, Chris. Um, I'm just so happy for Matt Ganyard because, uh, uh, you know, we we spent close to an hour with him last Thursday over at the George Welsh Indoor Center. And uh, just to be around him and see firsthand his passion and his enthusiasm and excitement about uh, what all has happened to him. It's just makes you feel good as a human being to see, uh, something good happen in, in, uh, today's world where there's, we've got so much gloom and doom. So it's, um, it it was just, uh, it was just fun. I'm so happy for him and his family and, uh, and those people who have supported him along the way.
0: Yeah. What a story. Uh, look forward to seeing him kicking the ball off and, uh, uh, you know, and he's, he's number doing the depth chart as, as the place kicker as well. So he may, he may get some action there down the line too, but, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a heck of a story, uh, military pilot, uh, MBA student now, uh, father of two, 34 years old grandpa, they call him playing football. That's, that's just an <laughs> awesome story. <laughs> well, Jerry, as we're wrapping up now, we go ahead and thank our sponsors who helped make all this possible for us.
1: Yeah. Let's start off with Roback. Got my doggy here, my doggy logo, my Roback shirt on. Um, One of the fastest growing companies in America, sports activewear. You can look at jerryrackliff.com, click on their ad, you can get 20% off your first order. Helps us and helps Roback. And they're a, a company located out on Route 29 in Charlottesville, started by Darden School graduates. They're big UVA supporters. They have uh, NIL deals with UVA as does uh, one of our other podcast supporters, the Good Feet store over at Stonefield, right across the street from the movie theater. And uh, Jonathan Cotton grew up in Crozet, UVA supporter, also NIL deals, uh, does a lot of promotions for UVA athletics. Uh, Good guy with a great heart. And, uh, Uh, They have uh, custom fit arches for your feet, fit in your shoes comfortably and uh, help you walk, help you stand, help you run, uh, even if you're not having discomfort. So it's worth your time to go by and see them. I'm a customer, so I can testify that it works. And how could we not mention the Aberdeen Barn, Virginia's finest steakhouse, incredible atmosphere, incredible food, incredible service. Uh, makes my mouth water just to think of it. I'm, it's dinner time, Chris. I'm getting hungry. i <laughs> we'll go over there and run run up a steak right now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. You know, home game next week against JMU. Go by the barn on Friday night or or uh, Saturday. Get you a great meal and uh, say hi to Terry and Angela and tell them that Chris and Hootie sent you and maybe they'll get throw you a couple of extra. Uh, shrimp on the barbie or something
0: <laughs> a little bit more in that glass of wine before uh, they they tilt the bottle back up uh now there's a there's noon kickoffs this week and next week so you can do friday night before the game you can do saturday after the game you got lots of options as far as that goes and their steaks, they just melt in your mouth or something huh. yes they do Ugh. well uh thanks to the sponsors for making this possible thanks to the listeners out there viewers on the youtube as well for tuning in uh, my thanks to Jerry Ratcliffe, the Hall of Famer, for letting me be part of this show. I am Chris Graham signing off the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Everyone have a great day.